Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Coming up on this edition of Inside Boxing Live, we've got Adam Abramowitz here to talk about the next great thing in the welterweight division, Jerron Boots Ennis. The 130-pound picture, will we see a unification between Oscar Valdez and Jamel Herring. And the next eight weeks in boxing are very, very exciting. Inside Boxing Live, coming up next. Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. The boxing world is starting to heat up. We're getting into that juicy part of the schedule. We're going to get into it all today with a state of the game episode. And joining us on the program, one of the best boxing writers we have right now, Adam Abramowitz from Saturday Night Boxing. We'll jump into what we saw this past weekend at the 130-pound division with Jamel Herring. What's next for him? We'll take a look at Boots Ennis' big step-up fight he's got with Sergey Lipinets. And also take a look at not only the next eight weeks, but the remaining six, seven months of the boxing schedule uh, here in 2021. If you're watching the show over on the Fubo Sports Network, we appreciate that. You can also catch the show on Pluto TV's boxing channel and, of course, on our YouTube page and the podcast world, Spotify, Apple. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review so we can keep doing the show uh, every single week. Yes, the fight of the weekend is Jerron Boots Ennis going up against Sergey Lipinets at 147 pounds. It is a positive trend that we're seeing in the boxing world, and that is young fighters stepping up. We saw it with Teofimo Lopez last October when he defeated Vasily Lomachenko. We saw it with Ryan Garcia in uh, January when he defeated Luke Campbell. We saw it just two weeks ago when Virgil Ortiz took out uh, Maurice Hooker. It's something that's positive in the boxing world, and Jerron Boots Ennis has his toughest test with Sergey Lipinets, a guy that has shared the ring with Mikey Garcia, a guy that has uh, won a title 140 pounds. Who can forget his war uh, with Lamont Peterson? So this is going to be a stern test for Ennis. He has the goods. Now we just have to see him go in there and perform. Another fight this weekend that you want to keep an eye on over on ESPN, Joe Smith Jr., the pride of Long Island. We had him on the show last week. He fights for a world title, uh, his second chance at a world title when he t- takes on Matt. Maxim Vlazov. Now, this fight, you want to watch it for a number of reasons, because Joe Smith, I think, one of the most exciting fighters in boxing. But this could set up a unification bout down the road with Arthur Betterbiev at 175 pounds. Both fighters under the top-ranked banner. Both fighters uh, fight on ESPN. Joe Smith wants the fight. Go back and watch the interview I did with him last week. He wants that fight with Betterbiev. He wants to unify. Not only that, if he wins that fight... We're going to get up in a tree. Joe Smith's tree service. Me and Joe Smith in a tree. Post-fight interview. We've never seen that before. That's what we bring to you here on Inside Boxing Live. Coming up next, Adam Abramowitz. Let's get into it all. All right, it's time to bring in our guest this week here on Inside Boxing Live. You know him, Saturday Night Boxing, one of the best uh, boxing websites, a great Facebook group, uh, Mr. Adam Abramowitz. It's great to talk to you in person here. I usually go back and forth on Twitter. It's great to have you on the show. How's everything going, man? Going real well. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. Let's get into it. This is the State of the Game uh, episode. 
And let's talk about the upcoming fight this weekend. I think a lot of people are jazzed up in the boxing world. Uh, let's talk about a, a positive trend for once in the boxing world. That trend is young fighters stepping up. You can go all the way back to Teofimo Lopez. You can go to Ryan Garcia. You can go to Virgil Ortiz. The next in line is maybe the most promising of them all is Jerome Boots Ennis, fighter out of Philadelphia, challenging Sergey Lipinets, former title holder at 140 pounds. I'll ask you, Adam, is Ennis the next great thing in the welterweight division? Well, it's definitely possible. He has that skill set and profile. Um, you have to look at his record uh, and then his skills separately. So if you look at his skills, the guy does everything. Tons of hand speed, foot speed, throws every punch in the book. Uh, comes from a boxing family. Uh, it looks like the whole package. But what he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have a lot of tough rounds in his development. So... Um, Matched fairly lightly on his way up, not aligned with a huge promoter. Uh, so Lipinets is going to be his first real test, I'd say, on the world level. Uh, many people expect him to pass that test with flying colors, but, you know, I like to see fights in the ring. And, uh, <laughs> and Ennis has to prove it. And I know he had a, a decent step up against Van Heerden last fight, which was stopped because of a cut. But this is his first real test against a quality world-level fighter, and I'm very interested to see how it's going to play out. Right. This is uh, your typical, uh, you know, the, the, the boxing world likes to hype up a guy. Everyone's behind John Ennis. I mean, they're talking with him and Virgil Ortiz as the next big things in the welterweight division, but he has all the makeup. You look at, we, obviously, we do the punch stats, and you take a look at his numbers, you know, throws close to 60 punches around, which is a great number for the welterweight division, uh, lands more than half of his, of his power shots, his defenses there. If he was able to qualify, which goes back to your point, if he was able to qualify for the plus-minus uh, in on our records, he would be at the top. He would be close to the right. top. It's only because you take a look at, at, at his quality of opposition. hasn't been great, but when you put him in the ring, he does his job. How much pushback do you think that Lipinets uh, can give Jerron Ennis? I think it's really going to come down to um, – uh, so the only – if I were to say one area where I think uh, Ennis needs to improve on, that's something we could see in the Lipinets fight, which I saw two fights ago, uh, Ennis looking a little uncomfortable in clinches uh, when it got to be a little physical. Uh, he kept looking to the referee – uh, so if Lipinets can get a hold of uh, Ennis, whether it's against the ropes or even in, in the middle of the ring during clinches, I'm very interested to see how um, Ennis responds there. And uh, we've also seen Lipinets be kind of a slow starter, mm -hmm. but kind of work his way into fights. Uh, he had a great fight against Lamont Peterson, where I think he was kind of losing early, but kind of put, pushed his way back and, and got a knockout, I believe, in the seventh round. So I think there's a there's a chance that Lipinets could get blown out early, but if he can stick around, um, he's physical and um, you know he's he's imposing. Uh, he does have some underrated boxing skills. He's a good trainer with Dan Goosen in his corner. Um, I think you're going to see him. Uh, I'm not saying answer or provide all of the questions that we need answered for Jaron, but just in that physicality. Can he deal with that 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 style? Mm -hmm. um, I think we may be able to get some answers there. Yeah, Lipinets, of course, uh, fought Castillo Clayton in his last fight. Tough to really gauge him off of that fight coming off of a long layoff, uh, a couple postponements, the whole COVID thing. It, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but Lipinets has he has the pedigree, like you said, Goosen, good trainer, always brings out the best in him. And one thing on Ennis before I move to my next question is. 
you know, we're looking, we can talk about how great he is. And that's, that's, that's wonderful. We can do that. But it's also good to look at some of uh, his faults. And I wouldn't know if this is a fault or not, because he lands 21 punches around. Only two of those are jabs. Only lands two jabs per round. Uh, so, you know, it's, he's going to need that jab. As he goes up yeah. the ranks, you need a jab in the World Three, but you need a jab in boxing in general. But I'm going to ask you a tough question here, Adam. This is why sure. we got you on the show. You can only buy stock in one fighter. Is it Jerron Ennis? Or is it Virgil Ortiz? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Put you on the spot here. That's what we do. You know, you, you, I will. I will give you an answer, but um, I think these could be two of the top pound-for-pound uh, pound players in the next five years. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, I'm going to base this on what I have seen. Um, I'm, I would probably pick, and I might have to hand in my Philly card. As of right now, I will, I will pick Virgil Ortiz because I think he's closer to his ceiling. I think he's closer to his best, and I think he could give any welterweight uh, a test right now, and that includes the champions. Uh, it's possible that Ennis is at that level. I don't know enough yet, to be fair. So I, in terms of my best prediction, I think Ortiz is closer to his ceiling. It's possible Ennis could be even better, but there's I have more unknowns about Ennis than I do about Ortiz. That's fair. Very fair, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. These two are going to be intertwined yeah. for the next five, seven, ten years, so it's a great thing that the sport, the welterweight division, is in the hands of two guys that we think are very capable right. and, and and could be there for a long and time. Maybe, and maybe they might actually fight each other. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I could have asked you. The thing is, I could have <laughs> asked you who was going to win between the fight with them. But let's be realistic because that's not going to happen anytime no. soon. So you got to buy stock in one. On the other side of things, we're going to talk about the 130-pound division. Got a little bit of clarity with Jamel Herring's big, big win last week. We'll get Adam's thoughts on that coming up next. All right, Mr. Adam Abramowitz, let's move on to one of the most exciting divisions in boxing. We saw a little clarity last weekend when Jamel Herring took out Carl Frampton. I'm talking about the 130-pound uh, divisions. Got some big names. Oscar Valdez picked up a big win over Miguel Burchelt a few months back. Shakur Stevenson is now in a division. Jojo Diaz is in the division. He came off a, a draw. But this past weekend, we saw Jamel Herring with a virtuoso performance, one of the better championship performances uh, of recent time. But we got to get a better picture of what's going on at 130. A lot of balls moving around. I would like to see Herring squaring up with Valdez. But then again, on the flip side of things, Shakur Stevenson is technically the WBO mandatory. How do you see this all playing out, starting with the top, with Jamel Herring? Well, I think Herring's uh, 35 years old, and uh, I think he's going to go to the point of his career now where he's going to take the money fight. And uh, it seems to me the bigger money fight at this point in time would be a fight against Valdez. Mm -hmm. uh, both have had really impressive knockout performances in their last fight. Um, it would be a unify, uh, unification fight. Of course, he may drop a belt in order to do that. Um, I, I'd expect him. I, I think Valdez would like that fight. I expect that to be the direction they'd go in. Uh, it's boxing, so you never know what will happen. But if I had to put my eggs in a basket, it would be in that one. Right. You always have to put the disclaimer on everything. It, it, always. It, it, it's always. boxing. It's boxing. Like, obviously, Tank Davis or obviously Shakur Stevenson because he's the next uh, He's the next in line. But I like Valdez Herring. It makes sense from a lot of different ways. Yes, Herring might have to vacate the belt. 
Or maybe they can uh, pay Stevenson to step aside. But Stevenson's also fighting June 12th against uh, an opponent that I don't even know, but it ain't anyone in the top five or top no, ten. It's, it's a guy from Namibia. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, so, of course, Stevenson, you know, he's angling for this fight, but very well on the other side of things. It's like you're headlining a fight June 12th, and, you know, he probably could come back in time for uh, a Herring fight in the fall or, or maybe October, but that's not the case. Valdez Herring makes all the sense in the world. Yes, he might have to vacate... But it's a good fight on paper. It's sellable for ESPN. It's it's there. It makes sense. And then let Shakur Stevenson get the winner of that fight when he can, you know, still have his WBO standing. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe he'll be the champ. Who knows? But you know, the top rank wants to keep it all in house. They have three uh, of the, of the four big hitters, and I'm not, you know, obviously the IBF is vacant, and we don't know what Javante Davis is up to. He's either going to be doing jail time or he's going up to 140. We're going to leave him out of discussion for now. Yeah, and there's another wild card I'd throw into the division, which is Chris Colbert. Yes, thank you. Uh, who I think, uh, I know he has a lesser WBA belt right now, but he can really fight. And yeah. um, I'm hoping he gets an opportunity for one of the full uh, championship belts in the next 12 months because he's, he's an exciting young fighter. Yeah, and then Jojo Diaz, too. Uh, Jojo Diaz Obviously, is there, yeah. yeah, he didn't look great in his last performance. Uh, you know, I haven't never seen so much fanfare and so much ink for a, a guy that didn't put together that good of a performance. But, you know, he's got so much stuff going on outside the ring. He took it into the ring, you know, missing weight with Rakamov. Yeah. And I thought, uh, you know, a draw was, was a good decision there. But he's another player in there, too. So... 130-pound division is interesting. Also, the thing with Herring is he's flirting with potentially going up to 135. Do you think that is in his plans? Because you're right. For him, it's he's big game fishing right now. 35 years old. No one deserves a payday more than him. Yeah, I don't... I think he'd stick around for the Valdez fight, definitely. I yeah. mean, that's a... I, um, I'm not saying I would necessarily favor him, but it's a winnable fight, you know, and... Uh, you know, the 135 division has great names, but it's also really messy right now mm -hmm. in terms of making fights and who's staying in the division. And right. the WBC seems to have four or five different champions or people in line to be a champion. So in terms of getting in line to, you know, get a quick title shot for Jamel Herring, I'm not so sure that happens. So I think the best opportunity for him is probably Valdez at 130. Yeah, he's got to do that. He's got to do Valdez. Herring's stock has never been higher. Uh, yeah. You know, that fight with, with Frampton uh, was just outstanding performance. And it's funny because he loses that fight. He goes way back to the end of the table. You yeah. know, you're talking about losing out on, on, on millions. Now, he wins. Yeah. He sets himself up for the biggest payday of his life. So you got to love when fighters take it into their own hands. Herring would be smart. He's got a great team around him. You know, make the fight with Valdez. That's an easy, like, October-ish fight on ESPN yeah. that would do big ratings, so sellable to Mexican-American with Valdez, Herring, you know, being a, a, a veteran. Uh, that's that's an easy fight. That's an easy fight to make. The 130-pound division, it's exciting. Keep your eyes on it. Uh, we'll see what happens with some of these names. There are a lot of good names. There are a few that are under the same fighting umbrella, which is exciting for boxing fans, but something to keep an eye on. On the other side, we're going to talk about the next eight weeks in boxing. This is a great time to be a fight fan, and that's going to trail into the second half of 2021. Who will be the first big fighter uh, to put their pen on paper so we can see them fight uh, this year? We'll get more thoughts coming up next. All right, Adam, we're into the juicy part of the boxing schedule. The meat of the schedule, uh, um, April has been 
So-so, but starting to pick up next week. I know you're not watching Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Maybe, maybe you are, are you? I don't think so. Okay, we're going to move on from that one. Right. So some of the fights that are upcoming in the next eight weeks are exciting times. you got Paul Askren next week. You're going to watch it. Who, whatever. you got Andrade versus Williams. Ruiz Ariola. May is jam-packed, starting off with uh, Chris Ariola and Andy Ruiz. Canelo Saunders, Haney Linares, Ramirez Taylor for all four belts. And then June 5th, uh, penciled in Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosos. Out of all those fights, you can only watch one. Which one is it? You got to go for the 140 pound fight for all the marbles. Yep. You know, that's the uh, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez fight. Uh, very rare that you get unification fights in boxing. And these are two very good fighters. Um, Josh Taylor won the World Boxing Super Series at 140. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's picked up a few belts. Ramirez has a few belts. Um, it's an excellent fight. And uh, I think that's the one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, most. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there are some good fights on there. You're getting a little bit of something from everything. Got some heavyweight fights on there. See how Ariola looks. Canelo's in action, looking to pick up another belt versus whatever you think of BJ Saunders at this point. Haney and Linares, another step up. Haney's probably yeah. his biggest step up with Linares. And, of course, Tiafimo doing his thing on Triller once again. Two of these fights are Triller fights, which is interesting. But, yes, Ramirez and Taylor is the big one. We're still waiting to see where it's going to end up. We know it's going to be in Vegas. But as for the, the, the fight itself, and you bring up the fact that uh, the, you don't see uh, undisputed fights. You don't see big-time unit all four belts. But the 140-pound division is the one that's probably done it the most. Or the the least, or I'm sorry, the most recent with yeah. uh, with with um, Terence Crawford. So that fight's going to be super interesting. You got two fighters that are at the top of the list in punches thrown, punches landed. Uh, you know that you got Ramirez who could fight on the inside. Didn't look great against Postal. Uh, how do you see that fight playing out? Well, I think it's uh, stylistically this fight should be a little better for Ramirez. I mean, Postal was extremely evasive. You know, used his jab and stayed away. He fought a great fight. I mean, I thought that was one of those fights that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Taylor is very good inside, as is Ramirez. Taylor likes to go in and out a little bit more. Um, he had a very close fight against Regis Progress. And I think when you saw him stay in the pocket a little too long is when Progress had some success. So I think it's really going to come down to Taylor getting in and out fast. And uh, if he lingers then I think he gives Ramirez a lot of chances to do damage on the inside. Um, Taylor's recently gone with new trainer Ben Davison, who mm-hmm. did train t- um, Tyson Fury in the past. So it's interesting. I think Taylor has some small advantages in the fight. I think he's he can do a little bit more at range. I think he has a little better lateral movement, but I think he has to fight a 100% intelligent fight. And if he gets caught up in uh, machismo or trying to prove a point, then I think he really plays into Ramirez's hands. No, I couldn't agree more. And the thing about Ramirez is, you know, he doesn't... I think it's because of his personality, not really outspoken, but people just seem to constantly kind of not, I wouldn't say write him off, but they don't really give him a, a big shot in a lot of his fights. And some of it is brought on by himself, some of his performances, but all the guy does is win. Uh, look at that fight with Hooker. Uh, look at some of his other yeah. fights. But he also finds himself in fights where it goes right down to the wire. But I think he'll fight up to his uh, opponent, and that is, uh, that's going to be uh, Josh Taylor. Haney, you know, Linares, one- go ahead. One thing to point out is that I think his two toughest fights were against Zapata and Postal, who yeah. uh, usually were a southpaw, and uh, Taylor's another southpaw. So I don't know uh, how much as he can't fight southpaws. 
but they both were in and out on him, and I think he had some issues with distance. Right. Let's move over to the, the heavyweight fight out of all of these. And if you can get past the pay-per-view, I know it's tough to even discuss this fight because fans are so outraged that this fight is on, on a Fox pay-per-view. But if you just take a look at it on paper, it's a fun fight. Chris Ariola, uh, yes, he's coming off of a very long layoff. I don't think it'll ever look better than he did it in the Konaki fight. But, you know, Andy Ruiz is a guy you have to take notice. When he fights, you have to watch. You have to see how he's going to respond to the new trainer, the, the shedding of the weight. Is that a fight that you're uh, looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the matchup. And uh, it's a fun fight between two uh, guys who kind of have the same style uh, where they like to be in front of each other and kind of throwing bombs. <laughs> and uh, so it should be good TV. Uh, one thing I'm really going to be interested in is, you know, Kanaki got knocked out after that war he had with Areola. Yeah. His next fight, he gets knocked out early by Hellenius. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to see if that's that's a type of fight that took a lot out of both fighters. Yeah. You know, that, you know, sometimes fighters are a tough war destroys both fighters. So I want to see how much Areola has left. Uh, because that was just a brutal fight with Konaki. It was. Uh, that was set all, all sorts of records in the CompuBox record book that night. Yeah, next eight weeks are exciting. Uh, you got, if you're into the thriller stuff, you got some of that. You got young guys stepping up. You got heavyweights looking to, uh, you know, Andy Ruiz looking to get back into the picture. You got the pound for pound king, Tiafimo, four belts. Exciting times. Uh, the next eight weeks in boxing, what's going to happen in the following six months remains to be seen. We'll get into that. Some quick hits, and we'll wrap this one up. All right, Adam, before we say goodbye, we got some quick hitting questions, some rapid-fire questions. Joe Smith Jr. is in action this weekend. Let's say he wins. Does he give Better BF a tough fight? Yes, he does. Okay. And uh, better BF's uh, getting up there in age and he's inactive. Yes, he does. Yeah, Joe Smith wants that fight. I had him on last week. He's adamant that he thinks that better BF's been down a few times. Uh, he, he can, and he hasn't faced a fighter that hits as hard as him. Tyson Fury's next fight will be versus who? Anthony Joshua. The better question is when. Yeah, I think maybe the summer. Uh, don't 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 uh, don't lose any sleep over that one because they keep telling us that uh, you know next week is going to be the site, right, and right. Then, and that following week, and then it's just uh, man, they're stringing that along. A lot of things going on behind the scenes with that one. Manny Pacquiao's next fight will be versus who? <sighs> That's a great question. I'm just gonna just for fun in the in the LOLs. Let's say Terrence Crawford. Oh, that is. I would love to see that one. Canelo's September opponent will be? Gennady Golovkin. Oh, that's what I think. That's what I think. I think that Eddie's going to step in and show him the money and say, listen, this is what you can make for a Caleb Plant fight, which will still be there uh, in, in, in 2022. And this is what you can make to fight Triple G, put it to rest. Here are the figures. Here's the money. Let's get it done. Let's put this away. I think it's going to be... Uh, Canelo versus Triple G in September as well. It's interesting. What will be the name of the next WBC special belt? Mm. <laughs> Ooh, that's a great question. We're running out of uh, words. There's no more words in the alphabet. I mean, no more words in the dictionary for it. I'm trying to think of ancient peoples because they've done a Mayan belt. Have we done the Incas? Let's I think we moved w on to the, It's like the hurricane names. We moved on, and now they're going for male names. So now we got to – the Incas would be good. Like, I'm pretty sure they yes. have – the latest one is like a like a Tex-Mex belt or something. Like they're running out of names here. So 
That's it. That's all I got for you, Adam. I appreciate you coming on the show. You're a great follow on, on Twitter and one of the, the better boxing writers that we have today. And it's great to mix it up with you. Adam Abramowitz, I appreciate the time, my man. Thanks very much, Dan. All right, that is a wrap on this edition of Inside Boxing Live. The boxing world, like we just talked about, is really starting to heat up. Next week, you got your trailer action. The following weekend, you got Andrade in action. And then May kicks off. Probably the best month of boxing we've had in a very long time. Always keep it locked here to Inside Boxing Live at the best interviews, analysis, and stats. Here it is, Inside Boxing Live. See you next week.